What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was Atlanta professional sports. Wackiest hijinks, happiness, and analysis. Adam, how the fuck are you doing, sir? Graham, I'm doing fantastic. I think a piece of me misses the depression, though. Uh, the happiness has thrown me off a little bit. You know, we, we got that depression deep down in us. Well, it's a perfect day to feel depressed, Adam, considering, at least in Atlanta, it's overcast and gray and disgusting, and it's supposed to rain all night and through tomorrow. So we should be feeling pretty shitty. Okay, so we could still feel blue, but, man, Graham, these Atlanta Braves have really brought spirits up around town. Oh, yeah. In a city that needs it. Really? So bad. Not just with everything that's happened in 2020, but everything that's happened within the last, you know, pretty much every year we've had a professional sports team. And it's, and it's just such a fun team to watch. It's, and just taking care of business against the Marlins. Like, making it's the first time I can remember where we clearly had the better team on paper. There was no doubt on paper that we should win, and everything actually went to script. And it was easy. I, I, I've never felt so comfortable watching playoff baseball games. Well, especially game three. I mean, even though Sixto was going, I knew from that first at bat with Acuna, even though Acuna flew out, it was just kind of like, okay, we're, we're being aggressive in the count. And then Freddie wasted it, but it was caught. And then Ozuna almost hit a home run. And the, he only threw six pitches, I think, in the inning. But it was like, okay, he's not unhittable today. People are timing his shit well. And then the thing I really liked in the second inning – was seeing a transition in approach in the sense of Sixto started to miss his, his spots a little bit, and we were able to react to that and adapt in a way that was beneficial to the lineup. We didn't score that inning. We lowered the bases. We didn't score, but it was like, okay, we just need one more inning, I think, and then we're going to get it. And we got, and they got very lucky with a great catch by our left fielder. I think it was Dickerson on the ball that Marquecas hit when the bases were loaded. And then we were all screaming at Darno on our little text thread about, like, why the hell didn't you tag up? You fucking bum. And then Darno once again, is the, is the hero of the game. And it was the hero of the series, honestly. I mean, he has – I mean, the two guys that Anthopolis signed in the offseason were the MVPs of the, the NLDS as far as I'm concerned, at least offensively. Yeah, I mean, they, they had all the clutch hits. Um, I guess bringing people in from outside of the organization to kind of help us push us over the edge a little bit is just huge. I mean, who – I mean, when we signed Darno, we both thought it had the potential to be a good little signing. Right, but, but nothing like this. Yeah. yeah, we didn't picture him being our cleanup hitter. He was everyone's MVP, yeah. essentially. I mean, he hit, I think, 600, had, what, two homers and... It's like, like seven that, RBIs. Something like that, and got on base all the time. I mean, he had like OPS in the thousands. I mean, he, he was just outstanding. And did a great job leading the pitching staff that gave up freaking two runs in three games. Particularly with Anderson and Wright, and Wright in game three. Uh, oh, that was fake news. He, we gave up more than two runs in three games. We gave up four runs. Four runs, Sorry. whatever. I mean, you look at just five the, runs. Yeah, the job he's done with the staff in this postseason. I mean, you can look at all you want how the, the Reds and the, the Marlins were not good offensive teams in the regular season. But at the same time, I mean, to have an ERA under one, have, I think, 56 strikeouts in like 49 innings or whatever it is. I mean, it was, it, we, had the best, we had the best ERA in the postseason. And, I mean, we've only given up four runs through five games. I mean, that's insane. It's something special, Graham. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about who we played. They're all – I mean, they were 
playoff teams for a reason, even if it's an expanded playoffs. But, I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, four shutouts? Come on. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. And I just loved discussing this with my dad today, just how, like, game ones and two, you, you kind of saw the same bullpen arms, Matzik, Martin, Smith, Melanson. But then I loved in game three, you get A.J. Minter coming out there. You get Jacob Webb, Sean, uh, Shane Green, who didn't look that great, but he still got out of it. But, like, Minter – I mean, Minter looked lights out as always. And it's just like we are just so – beyond deep in the bullpen it's it's an embarrassment of riches and it's going to be huge coming up in this matchup against the los angeles dodgers where we're playing seven straight days and we're, we're going to use that depth there's no way to work around it in a seven game series yeah you hope i mean like the thing is is that the competition is going to be elevated incredibly with the dodgers i mean the dodgers and the braves have the two best offenses in baseball almost every conceivable stat be it sabermetric or traditional it's like Braves and Dodgers pretty much at the top of the, the top of the leaderboard. So, I mean, the Dodgers are the only team that hit more home runs than we did. They're the only team that scored more runs than we did. I mean, Didn't they only score like two more yeah, runs? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. very close. It's not like, like they were it's neck and neck. It's, it's not, yeah, they're, they were neck and neck offenses. It's not like they were astronomical offense and we were just like good. Like they're both clearly the cream of the crop in, term, in terms of offensives this year in baseball. But the competition is going to get a hell of a lot tougher with the Dodgers for sure. But when there's an interesting point for um, about the Braves and the Dodgers path to the NLCS and one was the Braves had to face much tougher pitching than the Dodgers did in the sense that we had to face Sandy Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo, Luis Castillo the guy whose name I can never remember who I always called Diego Castellani <laughs> for some <laughs> fucking reason uh, so we had to face those guys whereas they had to face like Brandon Woodruff and some other loser on the Brewers and then one inning of Mike Clevenger was really the only competition they really faced in terms of outstanding pitching in the postseason. So it's interesting how we didn't really face a tough offense at all in the, in the playoffs so far, but they didn't really face any tough pitching. So I think that's really unique in the sense of how these teams, the, the roadmap, I guess, to the NLCS for both teams were very, very different in terms of their matchups, which but, should make it really cool to watch the Dodgers have to face a great pitching staff in the rotation and the bullpen, and then we have to face – the deadliest offense in baseball. Yeah, and an offense, I mean, comparable to ours and as deep as ours. Right, I'm just saying in terms of what we face, we face shit offenses so far. Sure, sure. So yeah, just yeah. like they face bad pitching staffs. So it's like now these two teams are going to be facing good pitching staffs and great offenses. It's clearly the matchup that everyone wanted to see once we got into the playoffs. I mean, two teams that just completely took care of business, winning every single game. Yeah, I think whoever played. wins this series wins the World Series. I think whoever wins the NLCS is going to mow down the American League champion. We'll see. The, the Rays the Rays are tough. but The Rays are still tough. I don't think the Rays or the Astros hold a flame to the Dodgers or the Braves at all. Yeah. Especially because like the, the, the Houston just struggled so much giving up home runs to the A's. I mean, we have a much better offense than the A's. We would kill Houston. It wouldn't even be a, a, a competition, I feel like. You, you know what's going to be interesting? Which is crazy that I'm starting to think about the fucking World Series. Yeah, don't thing. think about the World Series yet. You know what's going to be interesting about this NLCS is that ballpark, that Arlington ballpark, who I, there weren't many home runs hit. No. Like, you had to – I don't have the numbers in front of me at all, but that's all I kept hearing about, how hard it was to hit home runs and so many balls that would have been home runs anywhere else are falling short there. So, 
I don't know if that falls to anybody's advantage. I, I feel like I think it's better for us because I think we scored more runs this year than the Dodgers off of not hitting home that runs. That is true. I did see that stat, Graham. I don't know if that's sabermetrics or traditional, but it's a stat that's out there that I saw. You're 100% right, Graham. Either way, it's verity. So, I mean, I think that gives us a little bit of an edge up, which is nice. And then I think that also plays into the strengths. I mean, you think about it, too. We don't give up a lot of home runs in general. Ian Anderson, I think, only gave up one home run this year. And... Like I think I think he finished second in terms of least amount of home runs given up. I think Freed finished sixth in terms of least amount of home runs given up. So yeah. we this ballpark plays to our strengths, and our pitchers just don't give up home runs that much anyway. So plus when we do hit bombs, they're like 500 feet. No ballpark's gonna hold that. Right. But it, yeah, you're right. That that could work in our favor because what in game three we didn't have any home runs, right? Um, scored seven runs. I believe so. Yeah. So which I like to see. I like to see that you can still get those clutch hits with runners on base where we had struggled so much the past couple playoffs. And even sometimes this year, you know, like even, like I said, even when Marquecas didn't get the hit when the bases were loaded, it was still a good hit. He did what he needed. It was, he, yeah, put, he put the ball in the it air. It wasn't in the like he struck out. It wasn't no. like he rolled over. You know, he hit the ball hard. It was just a great play by Dickerson. So, And I don't think that I, these Padres, not Padres, these Dodgers fans, I don't think they respect us at all or no. or understand what they're coming like ian anderson people are just now hearing about ian anderson nationally like he's been getting a lot of love but he's the best pitcher on the staff right now i think in terms of rotation arguably yeah i mean i mean freed game one against the reds was phenomenal or, or they've only made two starts each but anderson was dominant in both whereas freed struggled in game one against the marlins right so I mean, it's and the dodgers haven't seen these guys this year i mean no. that, that's that's a unique thing. About I mean, that goes both ways that yeah. these teams have not faced each other. Right, and that's and that's cool coming in the playoffs in the sense that there is really no barometer in terms of how we fared against them in the regular season. And, you know, normally when we only play the Dodgers six or seven times as opposed to when we play in all these teams 19 times or whatever the hell it is. So there's really no regular season measuring stick, which I think is interesting. And it's going to be a whale of a series. I mean, this is this – is, uh, Talk about your anxiety-ridden series. This is going to be full of anxiety. It's going to be full of fun. I can't wait for, for Monday, man. I mean, this is just going to be probably the best series of our adult lives that we're ever going to watch, regardless of what happens. I mean, this is going to be two great teams going back and forth. I mean, I can see this game, this series going six or seven games. I know I also said I can see the Marlins series going four or five games. But I was still worried about our true-to-Atlanta selves. This team is not true-to-Atlanta, which I love. This is the antithesis of an Atlanta sports team. It is clutch. It has guys doing things that they're, you know, that other Atlanta sports teams wouldn't do in the past. So I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to win the series, but I am going to sit here and say that I have confidence in this team to go out and compete at the highest level and give it their best and take the Dodgers as far as they can go, which could be which could mean beating them for sure. We are not out of this is not like playing the Dodgers in 2018 when we were fucked from the get-go. Or even 2013, when we had a very strikeout-ridden team and not a great pitching staff. This the, we match up really well with these guys. We can beat these guys. There is there is hope. There is optimism here. And 2018, we still like put up a fight, and we didn't have. I mean, that team 2018 was nowhere close to this. Like no. we were, we didn't belong yet. But I mean, they have two years of experience now. Obviously, you can't touch the Dodgers' playoff experience, but. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, everyone's saying, I think the odds are 75% chance Dodgers win this series. So we're back to being the underdogs again. It's fine. Which is what we were against the Reds, which is ridiculous. Right. So, just, I mean, I'm, I'm so over caring what any of these so-called experts say. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I've I watched this team the entire year. I know they have heart. I know all three facets of their game are as good as anyone out there right now. Yeah. So let, let's take care of business. Let's let's shut Los Angeles up, Graham. That would be really nice. I want to be – I mean, they, they haven't won a World Series since, what, 50s? 88. 88? Yeah. Yeah. So we got one more recently than them. Right. They're and the ones choking. They're in the middle of their 2,000 Braves right now. They lost the NLDS last year to the right. Nationals. Mm-hmm. Like, they lose a lot of series they're not supposed to lose. Very true. I mean, there's been a lot of times they were the favorites to win the World Series. They've gone the World Series, I think, twice in this decade and lost both times. I think the Red Sox and Astros. You can say what you will about the Astros cheating scandal and all that shit. But I think let's uh, – oh, one thing I want to touch on real quick. Ian Anderson, there's a lot of talk about him – you know, in his changeup this year where he's holding opponents to a 77-077 batting average and a 111 slugging percentage of his changeup. His changeup is being called the best pitch in baseball right now by a lot of the so-called experts that Adam despises. <laughs> uh, but how amazing is that, that a guy who didn't really even – was not known for a changeup at all, that he developed this changeup, I think, over the last year, has now become his best pitch. I mean, that just shows you that he hasn't even – Maybe he hasn't even tapped into his full potential yet because he's only what 21, 22 years old. So I guess we have to kind of go. Fucking believe we have to go back on the conversation we had a couple months ago about how the Braves don't know how to develop these prospects. Then, well, because Lucas Sims said, yeah, yeah, and I know I was ragging on on that shit too a little bit in the sense I was like, well, we're you know, I was also saying where the fuck's Kyle Wright? Now Kyle Wright shut me up. You know, he's really. It's been great to see him just get a chance, and now he's gotten a chance. He's been able to go out there and perform. And even though he, the thing I loved about his performance in Game Three was, even though he didn't even have his best stuff and ran into some trouble, he got out of it with good pitching. He didn't get lucky. He used he utilized great pitches to get out of the jams that he got himself into. Yeah, it, it, that was the, that's what gives you the most hope for this series. Is seeing it's like okay, we have three legitimately good starters to run out there now and you think the Dodgers haven't seen Kyle right they haven't seen Ian Anderson no like I mean they've seen Freed but it's been over a year but yeah I mean it's hell maybe Bryce Wilson's the next guy to step up in game four I don't know I think I think it's interesting to 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 look at game four I think it depends a lot on well there's no way you're gonna be able to use Anderson or Freed at that point so I could see Matzik being an opener I could see Matzik pitching two innings and then go from there yeah, this, that guy is lights fucking out right now. Yeah, he's he's been. There's so many good stories in that bullpen, but he's 100 percent one of them. And I, I haven't really fully appreciated him this year until these playoffs as well. Yeah, same. Like seeing him in these high leverage situations now and just getting out of jams. I mean, he. What's his strikeout rate, Graham? Do you know? I don't. It's high though. Yes, I'd imagine. I imagine it's very high. Yeah, I mean, he's just. It's just so many weapons that Snick can pull out there. And another thing that I've heard given kudos to Snicker was he didn't overmanage any of these games. No. Like, you, you saw what Aaron Boone did in the Yankees-Rays series where, like, game two he starts with, like, an opener 
where they have their real starter in the bullpen that they actually wanted to go with, but they wanted to get the Rays to put like an all lefty lineup out there. Yeah. And it screwed them. They lost right. that game because of that. And then last night, game five, he brings in Chapman in the seventh inning, wanting him to get like seven outs. Right. And I mean, part of me kind of liked that idea of saying, okay, this is our best guy out of the pen. Fuck it. Like it's do or die. It's game five. But yeah, you're right in the sense of Snicker has managed this in a traditional sense. And he's pulled all the right strings thus far. And you can't really, I mean, there's a couple of times you could say, I don't know if I would have kept that guy in or blah, 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 or why did we take Freed out, et cetera. But it wasn't something where it was like, I could, you know, it wasn't something where it was uh, like Freddie Gonzalez not bringing in Kimbrel against the Dodgers in the eighth. It wasn't like unequivocally, even if it works, this is the worst decision you could possibly make. It was like, I could see the rationale in that. Well, it makes sense. Plus he let Kyle Wright stay in the game when he was in those early jams and work his way out of it. Yeah. Versus... I'm sure he know, was on a short leash. You know, Snicker of a year or two ago, he might have pulled him immediately and gone to the bullpen, but he let this... Right. He trusted the young guy enough to get out of it, and then he goes 10 straight getting outs, so... Right. I think that also goes to just renewed confidence in Kyle Wright in the sense that he's earned this start. He's earned the ability to go out there and compete and try to get us a series win. So, okay, he got into a little bit of a jam big shit he's earned the right to be here and and now he's going to use that confidence that his manager showed him and the experience that he gained from getting out of it and then trusting his stuff and dominating the rest of the game he's going to use that going up against the dodgers and realize look i can i can get out of these situations just yeah. trust your stuff it, it fully and translates 100 percent, i agree with that yeah i mean yeah the, obviously the dodgers lineup's a lot better but you know marlins are running out major league players as well that Granted, had the success. Dodgers have much better major league players. Right, you, you, you're not going to get like the big break seven, eight, nine. No, like you kind of did against the Marlins. Yeah, and that's the one part that you kind of are a little afraid of in the sense of can Wright in particular. I'm not as worried about Anderson and Free, but can Wright? Wright hasn't faced a lineup like this this year, so it'll be fascinating to watch how he attacks guys like Mookie Betts, Seager, Bellinger, Turner, guys, guys who are venerable playoff heroes who have done it, especially Betts, you know, won a World Series with with, with, with Boston. Yeah, that's the big difference in the Dodgers of this year. Bringing in Betts made them the automatic World Series favorite, even though he had a bit of a down year last year. The guy has been outstanding this year, hit well over 300, I think 18 home runs, stole a shit ton of bases. This guy was, I mean, I had him on my fantasy team, so I know this. He was stealing bases every night. You're an expert, then. Yeah, he he I think he had 20-plus steals this year. I mean, he was just out of this world. When he gets on base... Sounds it was more like a third of the nights that he was stealing bases then. Every the, time I checked... The, the nights <laughs> you checked your fantasy, at least. It was like, oh, damn, damn there's another stolen base from Mookie. <laughs> um, but, no, he is stealing a lot of bases this year. I mean, he... he getting Keeping him off base is going to be critical to victory in this series, as much as you can. I mean, he is going to get his, but not letting him kill you is going to be really important because he's the kind of guy that can take over a series. 100%. 100%. I will, for all the shade, I was just giving the so-called experts that did, like, a positional ranking of all the Braves versus Dodgers, and they did give us – oh, no, that's not true. They gave us Bellin- Acuna better than Bellinger. Not Betts, though. But. No. I think I think Mookie's probably the best overall player in that series right now. But, Even though Freddie had a better season, Betts is overall – probably the best player in the, in the series i mean just think about it this way though so it, it kind of takes us back to what our base hope and expectation was for the starting rotation when we look at this upcoming series to where we want them to give us at least five innings 
somewhere in the three-run area and just keep us in the game and then hope our offense does what it does and then turn it over to the bullpen. And you can play the matchup game with the bullpen, and our bullpen can shut them down and hold them for four innings. We know that much. Mm -hmm. So that's all that we needed from the starters. Just keep us in these games, give the offense a chance to do what they do, and let the bullpen continue to carry us. Yeah, and I, I one thing I really noticed. I'm getting Jack just talking about. Oh this, yeah, Graham. for sure. One thing I really noticed going into the Marlins series that was a stark contrast from the Red series was just the confidence level that the team had. The confidence was through the roof. I think when we were playing the Marlins, which I think was spurred by when Acuna got beamed. Oh by, yeah, by uh, Alcantara. Yeah, they done messed up there. They they woke up a beast. Yeah, for real. But. Once that happened, there was a confidence level that radiated throughout the second and third game and then the remainder of the first game that I think will carry over to the Dodgers series. I don't think these guys are going to be afraid of the Dodgers. When we were playing the Reds, it felt like the, the Braves played how we felt. It was just, especially in the first game, just anxious, trying too hard, and shitting themselves. Like in every conceivable scenario, at least the offense did. The offense did not play like that at all. In, in the Marlins series. The offense was on point. They were clutch. I mean, game three, that hit that, uh, what's his name, Darno had, that, that high fastball that was, like, at his The neck. tomahawk. Yeah. Yeah. That he hit the double off. Of. I was like, how the hell Ridiculous. Do that? Ridiculous. Confident. I mean, we got some serious big dick swagger energy going on right now. 100%, Graham. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's kind of clicking. I mean, minus, what, Duvall. He got a hit in the game at least three. He got a hit. Yeah. And he also had a homer against the Reds. Riley so. put together some good at bats. I'm, I'm waiting for his power stroke to get going in this next series. But yeah, they're confident as hell as they should be. Yep. They got over the hump of winning now two series. They're writing their own history now. Yeah. I don't think Bueller and Kershaw, I, I don't think they're as, they are formidable, but I don't think they're as formidable of a duo as, a duo as Castillo and, and Bauer. Bauer. Absolutely. I think not. one thing that's going to really help us is having faced those guys and Sixto and Alcantara. Even Pablo Lopez put up a good effort. It's like it's been great training for this moment, whereas the Dodgers haven't faced shit. So when they see our staff, I think we have a better chance. Our offense has a better chance because we've been facing the tougher competition pitching wise. So I, I just think that. Like you said, if we can get five innings or six innings out of our starters, two, three runs given up, we have a great chance to do what we need to do offensively. Even if we struggle against Kershaw and Bueller, I think there will be some struggles. But the back end of their bullpen's a little suspect, Adam. Kenley Jansen is not what he used to be. He gave up a shit, you know, he gave up a shit ton of runs in what was that, game two against San Diego. Yeah, that guy's got walk-off written all over him. Yeah, now. he does not look good. And Last it gets couple years, he's been very suspect. What you got to think about is Dave Roberts going to make a change in the back in the bullpen, or is he going to stick with, with Jansen, who has been his guy for four or five years even now? Even if he does make a change, you're going to see Jansen at some point. You are. Even if it's in the seventh inning or whatever. Right. And But he is, in terms of the big bullpen pieces on both sides of the team, he is the one guy that sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of exploitable. Very exploitable right now. Velocity is down. Movement on his pitches is not as, as good as it used to be. And... He is very hittable right now. He's been he's been back there forever for the Dodgers, right? I mean, he was around back in 2013, yeah, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. So he, mean, he's been the guy eventually, for a long time. Your star is going to fade a little bit, Junior. Yeah. Maybe this is the year. I mean, this is our fucking time. And, and you know what? Even though we've been burned before, 
the great news about this to me was is my expectations for this postseason was get to the NLCS. Anything else that happens after that is, is gravy. Even if the Dodgers beat us, this was a successful season. You don't want to get complacent. I don't think the Braves are thinking that at all. But as a fan, if we were to lose in this series, it's not going to be as devastating as years past, I don't think, because it's just like it's we didn't we haven't underperformed. We have gotten to the NLCS for the first time since 01. It's a big fucking deal. And you obviously want to win the World Series. You don't want to you do not want to settle. But if we were to lose, I'm not going to like hang my head in shame. I think this is a very this is this is a season to be proud of, especially considering Freddie Freeman was almost on his deathbed from COVID. We lost God knows how many starting pitchers resilient as fuck team that's come together and really inspired the city i think and the fan base and themselves and the organization i mean this is the best team we've had in a long time long time i, I agree with you 100 percent. and as far as what they've overcome this season i mean all of baseball has gone through it as well but snitch said multiple times on all of his interviews that he's never been so tired after a season so <laughs> even just after playing 60 games right. just because of all Everything they went through with the protocols and being and unsure. Get tested every day is a yeah, pain in the ass. Being, and like it's just everything's so different. Like just being unsure whether or not you're going to play from one day to the next, and all the pitchers we lost, and Acuna being out for two to three weeks total. Ozzy missing what? Ozzy missing so weeks? much time. Yeah. Like they've overcome a ton. And I was saying this to you the other day that while I, I agree, it's a great feat that we've made it this far. Just like the 2016 Falcons, these opportunities don't come up much. No. And don't assume that we can, just because we're here now, it's going to be that easy to get back next year. Hell, what, uh, the, the freaking Nationals could be back next year. It could be. And you also think about the makeup of this team. I mean, you don't know if you're going to get Marcelo Zuna back. Right. He's been a critical component. This guy, even though he, there have been times he hasn't gotten hits in the playoffs, it seems like every time there's a guy running a scoring position or we need a big hit, he has come through. Yeah. He's come through. So it's like, yes. Seize the moment, go for it. Try to win the World yeah, Series. The, the stars 100%. are the stars have aligned. Yeah, as Queen said, I I want it all and I want it now, Graham. Absolutely. Let's take care of the Dodgers. Beat the shit out of them. Win game one. Yeah. I, I, I need. I, if we see Freed's curveball is back and snapping in the first or second inning, I have a lot of confidence well, in game the one. The good news is too, he's gotten he's getting gotten plenty of time off. So, like, he got plenty of time for the Red Series. Hopefully that will translate to a sharp outing. Yep. Um, and then Anderson, you know, I, I like, it was so weird watching Anderson again against the Marlins. I was just like, I have 100% confidence in this guy. And I have 100% confidence in him going up against this Dodgers lineup, even though it's going to be tough. He might not pitch a shutout, which I know will be disappointing to everybody since he shut out the Reds and the Marlins. But... It's so weird to go into a playoff series just feeling confident. I don't know how to – it's not a coping – I don't have to cope with it because it's not like a sadness or anything, but I don't know how to react to it. I don't know how to feel emotionally about it just because it feels like every single playoff series we've gone into in the past. Think about um, even the Cardinals last year. I was still like, we have a lot of issues, and we could really fuck up, and we did. And, you know, the Dodgers, it was like, you know, in 2018, it was it – was, you know, the end of the rebuild. So it was like, there are no expectations. I'm sure we're going to get beaten. 2013 against the Dodgers. I don't know. I could keep going on and on, but I just don't. I haven't felt like this since I was a, a kid, since I was in the 90s, since I was, you know, sitting in my basement watching the Braves get a, like a walk-off walk against the Mets. 
and going to those games and watching Eddie Perez win the goddamn NLCS MVP. And everybody screaming, Eddie, 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 as he hit a two-run homer in game four against those bastards. Take the lead. It was like, haven't felt like that in a long time. It's a great feeling. I don't know how to deal with it, though. I don't know how to, you know? And maybe I shouldn't. It, 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 there's no need for analyzation here. Just enjoy the ride, I think, is the, is the key to this, to this series and this ride that we've been on so far with this team. Yeah, it's definitely not something that comes naturally no. to us, being relaxed and appreciative of what we do have. I remember, like, yeah, in game three, I was like, okay, I can really just focus on getting the rest of my work done for the day. I mean, I still had the game on, but I wasn't like... I was scared about game three, though. Like, before the game, I was like, shit, man, if we lose this, then we're going to this weird game four scenario with who knows who's pitching, and then we know we feel the pressure. If we lose game four, then it's coming back to game five and all the pressure of us coming back and blowing back the series. (laughs) I don't want to deal with that, man. I don't want that hanging over me. Right now, we'd be watching game five, stressing the hell out instead of sitting in your backyard talking about stressing out uh but yeah then they just take they stop on their throat they're they're the quasi falcons right now right it's phenomenal to see and like just so many stars have aligned and just getting production out of guys that were not on anyone's radar at the beginning of the year and i i i want this bad now Graham. oh yeah I, i'm hooked yeah 100 and we get a primetime game eight o'clock on monday it's a beautiful thing you don't have to you don't have to work during it, hopefully, or if you do, at least you can. I don't know. I definitely Poor thought bastards have to work at night, but the majority of folks will be able to get their work day done. Have plenty of time to get home if they if they work outside the home. Get some dinner, crack open a drink or two, and settle in. For you're some NLCS you're in bed baseball. by 11:30 or so, probably. Hopefully, feeling good about yourself. Right. But and so let's talk about this series a little bit more from the the enemy side. Who is the one? guy on the on the rotation and the one guy in their lineup that scares you the most well you know my thoughts on kershaw you think kershaw's a punk even though he had an amazing season this year and also struck out 13 padres in his last outing yeah yeah i think he's a bum i'm not worried about him at all he's gonna choke once because there's gonna be fans in the stands again Yes, there will be fans. 11,500. If you want to try to go to the game, there are tickets available online right now. I'm sure they're going up fast. I but really I really punked out. I had a big... I know oh, you were texting me about trying to get World Series tickets. I had a big talk about buying World Series tickets. That at the time I checked, they were about $390. And I thought of it as, A, all of my trips have been canceled this year. I don't mind spending $400 for a ticket. God knows how much money I would have spent at Braves games this year and at the battery mm-hmm. i probably would have spent that much just in like taking a lift home from all to and from all the games because sure. it's so far away yeah so i was fine with that i was like and then if the braves lose then i just double the price of what i paid sell it to a dodgers fan easy investment got cold feet don't think the ticket scalping games for me i could also see like the rays and astros making the world series and then no one wants to go watch that and Although it's in Texas, so I guess people would want to go watch the Astros. But oh no, sorry, not the Rays and Astros would be the. Either way, it's probably a good investment. I'm kind of talking myself back into. Maybe it. you should do it. <laughs> but I don't think I have the stones because also you got to take into account air travel and. Well, we got flight credit from your bachelor party. That's true. Then you got to. Oh yeah, I haven't used that flight yet. And then then you got to find a place to stay. I don't know. Shit adds up. Sure, but if you're going to see the Braves, that's like, come on, Braves in the World Series. I mean, yeah. 
if they're in it, we're, we're uh, next week. We could be scrambling right now. Fuck it, let's just get tickets, man. I don't care. There. Nah. Twelve hundred dollars now. <laughs> I think I'll. Well, let's at least go to the city and tailgate. No, if I'm gonna go to the city, I'm gonna go. Like I'm not doing that. Okay, shit. well I'll just get you to the city and then we'll. Yeah. Yeah, if, I, if I'm going to the city, like I remember when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, my mom talked about trying to get tickets. And we looked into it, and they're so expensive, even for, like, upper deck. And it was, like, $1,200 a pop or something like that. And I was, like, and she was, and she asked me, she said, you know, you go on this, in on this with me, we can do it. But imagine how bad it would be if we lost. And yeah. I'm so glad I didn't that go to been, that Super Bowl. That would have been the worst You might have had to put me on suicide watch. I can't. Like, that that would have... Or not even not, I think I would become an alcoholic and just stayed in Houston for the rest of my life and died on a gutter somewhere wearing my Matt Ryan jersey from alcohol poisoning, not from killing myself. Right. Well, that's that's. Well, I guess killing that's myself a lot to unwrap there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyways, you asked me about the the Dodgers. <laughs> right. Getting back to the point of the question. I mean, I suppose I could see Walker Bueller going off on us. I think I'd be more worried about like a Dustin May or a Julio Urias though. May has than, really good stuff. They're two big guys. He I, throws he throws a hundred, but I mean like he wasn't that effective in the Padres series, even though he had a good regular season. I'm not as scared of May or Urias. May kind of reminds me of a slightly lesser Sixto Sanchez with his pitching repertoire. Very similar, you know, touches triple digits with his fastball, moves his fastball around. But when when he's flat, like Sixto was flat against us in Game Three, he's very hittable. I'm still worried about. I think Kershaw still has a lot left in the tank. He's the one guy that I don't know which guy worries me more, him or Bueller. But I think he worries me a little bit more with that devastating hook of his and how susceptible we are to off-speed pitches and flailing like hell at those things. And also, depending on the day, yeah. But and also, he's just. I know they're different teams, but he's had our number in the playoffs every time we played him, and that includes 2018 when he just diced us up, no problem with a lot of you know Acuna. With Alves, with Freddie, um, so I I'd probably I probably say Kershaw is my guy in the rotation. But you say Bueller for you. They kind of interchange. They're both great. Honestly, probably Kershaw. I've been, I've been talking too much shit about him. He did give up back-to-back home runs against the Padres. He's not invincible. Yeah, I mean, his, his second start wasn't that great. Yeah. So, so, but in terms of the lineup, I'm less concerned about a Mookie Betts and uh, Justin Turner that guy's just clutch yeah he kills you he, he's a stud uh even their catcher Will Smith Will I guess Smith is coming I, I can see him strong. killing us with I mean he, I think he went four for five a couple nights ago but I could because he, he hits like eighth or ninth for them that's what's right. that's what's a little scary is like you kind of want to work around some guys to get to the seven, eight, nine people, but then you got a guy like Will Smith yeah. who can go off like that. The good news about that, though, to me, is that we can finally match up with the Dodgers offense, which we've never been able to do. Like, our one through seven, you could say, is quite comparable to their one through seven, 100%. Like, in the past, it's been like, oh, yeah, well, we got Freddie and Ozzy and Ronald and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, ooh, ooh. and then you look at them. It's like Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Mookie. You know, it's just like you just keep going down the list. And then you got Will Smith hitting eighth or seventh or whatever it is. And it's like Jesus H Christ. You know, it doesn't end. But that's how it is for the Braves too. Like the only guys you can even feel a modicum of confidence against, I think, in our lineup is, is Cakes and Riley. But even then, you got to respect those guys. It's not like 
you got uh I'm trying to think of some brave who's in the you know, you know you got Marquez in fourth anymore. You know, and shit like that. Yeah, it's like we nah, got and, and you know Marquez is gonna work in at bat. And, yes, like, and he's gotten a few hits in the in these playoffs. And he's still honestly like one of the guys I feel best coming up if there is like a runner on third mm-hmm. and less than two outs. You know he's going to put it in play. Yeah, he, that's one thing that's been he's going to hit it the direction you, you need that ball to go. That's one thing that was frustrating in the Marlins series a little bit. I can't remember who it was, but someone got on, it was Acuna got in second, and I think Freddie and a, and a and Ozuna either pop up and or struck out respectively. I can't remember. It was interchangeable, but they they popped up and struck out. And it was just like, God damn. You know, in this series in particular against the Dodgers, runs are going to be at a premium. They're going to be at a premium. Even though our offense is great, they're going to be at a premium. We've got to find a way to put the ball in play in these scenarios. Have to. Cannot strike out with a guy on second and no one out. Cannot. That's inexcusable. Cannot do it. Yeah, I mean, if the home run isn't as viable of an option in this Arlington ballpark, that is something to consider. You you have to take it advantage of those opportunities like hugo said and in in a series that we i mean we've won five straight games hugo still had a lot of negative things to say he did it's just like every text it was like i could feel him being an atlanta sports fan just like overtaking what should be a happy time we don't get these opportunities very often hugo you need to just clean your shit up man yeah hugo calm down like i i Every single pitcher that comes in, Hugo thinks we need to pull him. Yeah, he's just like, I can't believe Snicker fucking made that decision. Or leave him in, either yeah. way. He'll, he'll hate him at the beginning of the inning, and then at the end of the inning, say, run him out there for another one. Yeah, it's like, what a beast. You should, you should pitch at least two more innings. It's like, you just said it was the wrong move. And we still have Martin, Melanson, Minter, so many arms. Anyways, well, that's a great news, too. I've, I've been down that road. Martin only pitched, what, once in this Marlins series. Oh, yeah, they're, they're definitely coming so, into it. So he's ball rested. They're coming into it fresh. I mean, I, th- I think we're going to see where you do have to, like, kind of mix and match. Like, you, you do put Minter out there one night instead of Martin. And I don't know who – I'm, I'm a little worried. Is Green the guy they want to close instead of Melanson? No. I don't think you can trust Shane Green right now. He's looked very shaky against the Reds and the Marlins to me. I, he's a guy that I can't trust at this point in time. And I think – we're going to need everyone, though. I think for the first two games, you're going to, you have to run out your best. Yeah. That's and fair. then depending on what happens in those two games, then you start to strategize a little bit. This is unprecedented in terms of the NLCS. Never had an NLCS or the DS in the sense of every there are no off days. It's kind of horseshit. It is horseshit. I agree. I don't understand. And the, the World Series is normal. Well, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, I don't understand why... Maybe they're worried about COVID just ruining everything or something. 100%. Sure. Yeah, they just want to get it They just want to get with. it done. Because how devastating would that be if all of a sudden, like, we get a report? And I, I half expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. 15 of the Braves have COVID. Have COVID. And then it's like, well, what do you do now? And then it, it just, like, really rips our heart out in the middle of when we have this team that can win a World Series. Right. Yeah, they want to get it COVID done. COVID derails I, it. I understand that. But I think it's, it's frustrating from the sense of this new playoff format, which I have – liked a lot and we talked about this i think on our minisode but the ratings have been a little sluggish have in, they in comparison to last year and i think a lot of that is due to games starting at 12 and 2 o'clock which makes sense but um i mean there are a lot of games but i still don't know why you couldn't have done nationally american league one day nationally the next day off day for each you know what i mean like american league plays monday they're off on tuesday then the nationally plays tuesday off on Wednesday, and it's like you're still getting games. You can start them a little later, though, for Christ's sake. What's the problem with doing that? You get more ratings. You get better better time slots. Probably make more money off it. 
I mean, they're also competing against the NFL and the NBA Finals. But you're going to be competing against them no matter college what. football. That might compete. affect the ratings. Yeah, it could, but it's. I just think they missed an opportunity here with this cool idea for the playoff format by not starting the games a little later. And they don't have the excuse of March Madness where it's like, oh, well, God, we got 64 teams, so you got to start at 12. You don't have that excuse. Yeah. You have 16 teams, for Christ's sake. But it's neither here nor there in terms of how that impacts where the Braves are right now. Yeah, it is what it is. Both yeah. teams are playing under the same set of rules. Monday night, man. It's coming up. Are you man enough to make a prediction? Did we make a prediction for... I made a prediction, but you were like, I will not make a prediction. I will stick with that. Okay. Good on you. Passed Adam. Good intuition. The first series I picked against the Braves. Second series I picked for the Braves. So you being the superstitious fuck that you are... Should I pick against the Braves or for the Braves? What will help them more? I'd say against because we were technically not favored against the Reds and you picked against okay. us and that worked out. All right. Then I'll say Dodgers in seven. Oh. And a brutal and, – and, and that, that this is the – bastard. This is the – No, is the don't super, tell me some brutal – someone no, no, blows no. it. This, this umpire. Is a, no, no, no. This is a superstitious pick. In my heart of hearts, though, I think the Braves win this series. Ooh. I think the Braves win this series. I like hearing that from you, Graham. I think I am I really You're normally such a negative bastard. Believe that the Braves yeah, forget this forget forget my superstitious pick to try to satiate you and Hugo. I think the Braves win this series in six or seven games. I think it's gonna be the greatest NLCS we have witnessed since the nineteen ninety two Sid or was it nine yeah, ninety two Sid Slid series. With Francisco Cabrera Walker. I think this is gonna be the greatest NLCS since then for the Braves to catapult us to a World Series where we will surely destroy whoever we play. You're looking a little bit like our president over there with your hands and My talking hands about the here. greatest ever. The greatest ever is going to be so fair. Braves are going to win, folks. They're going to win. There's just no way around it. No one has the offense that we do. And we're going to make sure that those people in California with the fish, they're, trying to, they're going to run out of water. They're going to have a water depletion soon. The fish, they're giving all the water to the fish. They're giving all the water to the fish, and we have to beat them. If we don't beat them, they get, the, the fish get the water. Well, then I hear you called Alex Anthopoulos and said, you guys win. So if President Trump made the call. It, it, was, it, was, it was a great call with Alex. He's a great man. Never met a better GM for the Braves. Such a good guy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Braves in seven, folks. Braves in seven. Lovely. Can, could it be like a Braves at five? No. We've gotta get we've gotta get our hearts stomped on a little bit. We have to lose, I think, to get better. We can't just have things handed to us, Adam. Not that they were handed to us in the other series, but we've dominate this is not gonna be a dominate we're not gonna dominate the series. This is gonna be even keeled right, shit right I'll here. I'll throw out some random predictions. I think we split the first two. All right. We lose the Kyle Wright game, bullpen game. When we think we're out of it, bullpen game dominates it. Game four. Okay. We get like three innings from Noah. Noah. Yeah. I don't think Noah's going to be used. I'm a Noah guy. Emergency, unless someone gets injured, I don't think Noah's going to be used. I think used. Noah has more guts than Bryce Wilson. I think he's guts. calmer. You can really quantify that, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. Dan Quinn can. If Dan Quinn could quali Dan quantify Quinn guts. Dan Quinn could quantify taking a shit in a toilet. <laughs> he doesn't even know how his intestines It's work. a number two. Anyone could quantify that, Bo. He can't. Okay. Guaranteed. He's just like, it's probably why he wears the pins. 
Well, maybe I'm That's wrong. why he makes bad decisions. He's got shit in his pants the whole the whole game. Well, you got to go with Noah because game three was a disaster, and you had to put Bryce Wilson out there to clean up the last four innings. So that's why Noah's starting game four. Okay, so this is in your hypothetical fantasy yeah. world. So, that gets so you think Kyle Wright blows up in game three? Gives it like a grand slam to Mookie or something. Yep. And All that, right. So then we win game four. So it's two to two in this scenario. Two to two, and then we just cruise in five and six and win the series. Wow. Yeah. Cruise. Unbelievable. Yeah, this I, I can't wait, man. Win or lose, rain or shine, this is going to be a hell of a series. And I think now, Adam, it's time to have a follow-up to one of our greatest episodes ever, for those that have been on the show for a long time. We had a, a wine correspondent on the show, Cheryl Pounder, who is shacked up with our former kidnapper, Mark Andre, if you remember that from, I believe that was in 2018. And we've decided to do a little segment here and she did a little segment with us about wine pairings for certain Atlanta playoff failures. Now we're going to bring her on to do some wine pairings for playoff success. So what you should drink right now over the weekend. Well, you'll be hearing this on Monday, so sorry. What you should be drinking during the Dodgers-Braves series if you're a wine enthusiast. Is this Cheryl Pounder? Cheryl, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good are, to be back. Are, are you uh, you ready to podcast right now, Cheryl? I know you're doing some driving. I am ready to podcast. We need a pit stick to pick up some beers. Oh, beers and not uh, wine, huh? We're at a, a local brewery in, on our, our road trip, picking up some cans to go. Nice. How is Mark Andre doing? Uh, tell him I miss the the chains that are around my ankles and wrists from a couple years ago. It was a odd feeling of Stockholm syndrome comfort that I have, and I, I miss it. I, I hope he's doing well. He is. He's he's doing well. He's doing well. Well, that's good to hear. So, Cheryl, the reason we brought you here today is I'm not sure how up to date you are with Atlanta sports over on the West Coast there, but. We've run into a strange, strange uh, track of success, which is something we're not really used to and don't know how to respond to. And Graham and I were at the liquor store the other day. We were staring at the wine section. We're like, what do people drink when they win an NLDS? Like, it's not a full championship. It's not even a championship of the national league, but you need to celebrate. And we're not sure how to do that. And then we were like, well, we have, we have a correspondent that I think could help us out with this. And uh, that, that's where you come into play. Miss Ponder. Pounder. All right. Pounder. Well, sorry. <laughs> well, Dodgers answer is, is of course champagne is what you want to drink when you're celebrating almost any occasion. Uh, these days, you know, I just like to keep a bottle in the fridge for, Everyday use, you know, we leave, we need to celebrate the little things here in 2020. So, I understand what you're saying, but you know, you don't want to break out the big guns quite yet. You're still apprehensive. Uh, you don't want to maybe, as Mark Andre would say, you don't want to do any jinxing of the team for the future uh, of the playoffs here. Right, keep but it casual. It's still worthy of, of getting out some some champagne or sparkling wine. Uh, you may know it can't be called champagne unless it is produced in the Champagne region of France. So anything you get from California or Spain or Italy is not technically champagne. I would look for something 
maybe on the you know the mid tiers. Like you still want to make a special, maybe something in like the twenty to thirty dollar range. You can find a lot of good stuff for that. Uh, classic regions I would go to would be Alsace in northern France. They make very good classical method champagne. Um, you would see it labeled as Clermont, and it's usually around the twenty dollar mark for some some pretty good stuff. That would be kind of my number one. I can tell you that Mark Andre and I did pop a bottle of bubbly in celebration of the Braves the other night. Oh, nice. And we had a bottle of sparkling Pinot from the Willamette Valley in Oregon. That's also one of my favorites. It's a little, little more expensive. It's more the 25 to $30 range, but it's still still not too pricey. It's still not getting up there. I would say go all soft. So something from Northern California to Willamette Valley. Get those for pretty good prices. If you're into Prosecco, there's some good Proseccos out there. Those are usually a little bit cheaper. Um, or you can go with the Spanish Cava. Very underrated. It's a little more, a little more minerality, a little more citrus, a little more of a, a tropical taste to it. And those are usually, you can find a pretty good one for under fifteen dollars. So if well, a what I like about your number one and two selection is that neither of them were from California which is a state that we're trying to really hate right now, playing the Dodgers this upcoming series. So I, I think that was great consideration you took into those choices. Uh, my, my question is, is, what's a good champagne that is similar to the taste of a screwdriver, a.k.a. a Graham Waldrop, for my, my friend across the table from me? Well, you could always go with the mimosa too if you're if you're looking. You know, you're not really a, a huge wine person, but you want to want to pick something to celebrate. I'd, I'd go with a prosecco or a, a lower end sparkling wine, and then you know, top it off with some orange juice. What's some orange juice? Of, uh, I'm a big fan of some blood orange, a little blood orange juice in there. Make it a you know a little something different, a little little extra fancy. That sounds fantastic, <laughs> Graham. Graham, do you have any questions over here? Do you have a uh, Cheryl? Do you have a a? You said you might have a beer pairing pairing too. Do you have any beer that's just great for the fall season that just goes well with playoff baseball? I'm gonna go um, another recent one that we had here on our, our little road trip. On we were able to find, and I know it's not available all over the country, but the Bourbon County series of stouts from uh, Goose Island Brewing in Chicago is. Kind of a classic, uh, released in the fall beer every year. But it can be difficult to find. It is it is fairly expensive. I believe it was sixteen dollars for a twelve ounce bottle. Jesus, but it's just delicious. It's 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 kind of a special treat, you know. If it's you're celebrating something and it's fall and it's getting a little bit of a chill in the air, sitting down with a, a delicious stout is is going to be a good call every time. What What are your general thoughts on? My favorite champagne, the champagne of beer, Miller High Life. <laughs> I, I think every every alcoholic beverage can, can have its place. Um, the champagne of beer is a little bit of a, a stretch in the comparison department for me. <laughs> champagne. I've had my share of Miller High Life, and I don't really think it compares. But, you know, like I said, every once in a while you just need a nice cold crispy boy. You're not looking for anything fancy. Here, here. <laughs> Do we have any follow-up questions? I, I think you covered it pretty well. All right. Well, you know where to find me if you need any uh, 
and we have a spirit moment and alcohol pairings in the future. Yeah, we really hope that we're going to have another alcohol, uh, you know, just needing help with alcohol in the next seven days or so. We need a lot of help with alcohol. So... Either way, right? We could we could go that direction. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Oh, Cheryl. You know, yeah. What happens? What happens if, if things go wrong? And, and then you need you need something on that end. Too, happy but. or sad? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, it's very very happy, and uh, we can really blow that out and just lose ourselves to a World Series berth. That would be nice. All right. Well, we can we can talk a little bit if you want to go. You know, a little more special higher risk stuff at, at that point if we get there. If not, we'll. Uh, We'll talk about some some other options. Oh yeah, so we're we're prepared. If we win, and this is a big knocking on wood for Mark Andre, if we win a World Series, Graham and I are both prepared to spend all the money that we would have spent at Truist Park this year on a really nice bottle of wine. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I can I can help out with that for sure. Yeah. So high ed stuff. Please. Excellent. Okay, I'll start doing my research. All righty then. Well, thank you once again to our wine correspondent, Cheryl Pounder. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Cheryl. We'll talk to you later. Well, folks, I think that wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone. I guess the last thing we want to do, we want to do, we have other things to say about the Falcons. I think we might have some other things to say about the Falcons. Maybe it doesn't wrap up today's episode, Adam. I love that the Falcons are essentially the United to us now. Like, it's, it's a team that we have to mention in passing, you know? Like, we're scheduling all these episodes now around the Braves for obvious reasons. But it will suck when the Falcons is all we have. It won't suck if we win the World Series. Oh, that's a good point. If we win the World Series, we'll I'll, just, I'll just, I'll, you know, be riding high. We'll for, just talk about the, that team forever. Right. We'll, we'll, even, well even, seven, seven episodes. All right, this this week we're going to do a recap of the entire Game 1 of the World Series. This week yeah, we'll just, we're going to we'll, do a recap of Game 2. Yeah, we'll just do World Series specials and talk about that until baseball season starts again. So I'll rephrase and say if we lose either this series or the World Series, then it's going to suck to strictly talk Falcons. But we do need to mention the Falcons. I mean, we didn't even talk about that Monday night game going up to Green Bay. That was predictable. You knew that was just going to suck. I think we got to retire these uniforms, man. It has nothing to do with the uniforms. It has to do with the personnel and the coaching staff and our horrible owner. I'm going to start attacking Arthur Blank way more than I have before, and I have been hard on him in the past, but it's but I think it's getting to the point now where you can't get mad at Dan Quinn anymore because Dan Quinn's going to Dan Quinn. The only way it can change is if Arthur Blank actually pulls the trigger and fires his ass, and for whatever reason... There's just something there that's stopping him from doing so. Chris, I don't know what it is. Chris Domino made a great point yesterday, and it's a point that scared the hell out of me. Not once has he fired a coach in season. No. I mean, well, Bobby Petrino left. Correct, and then Dan Reeves left also when Blank informed him, hey, I'm going to move on from you after the season. So he's, he's never, never fired, fired a coach off. in season. It's not his thing. So I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, I fully expect him to survive the season at least, if not come back and get like a seven-year <laughs> extension because we like to reward mediocrity and failure in the Falcons organization for whatever reason. I mean, it's definitely not how he built Home Depot into the thriving business he is by, by shoddy leadership. Well, he's just gotten soft, man. He's, he's getting older. He's a, I think the divorce has anything to do with it. He's divorced. He's getting older. He also had a 
it's out there chasing very women tough problem. battle with with colon cancer oh, Jesus. that he survived so and i i think arthur blank as a person is a fine person as far as i know i also think he deserves a lot of respect for bringing the falcons organization back to prominence and also under his stewardship we've had the most successful run we've ever had in the history of our franchise you can't take that away from him without without him you don't get the mercedes-benz stadium you don't get atlanta united because of what he did with the Falcons. You don't get the successful Falcons teams that we've had. However, it's very clear at this point in time that the combination of Arthur Blank, Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov, Rich McKay does not work. It does not work at all, and it needs to stop. And if Arthur Blank will not get rid of at least Dimitrov and Quinn, then he needs to just retire. He's got He's a billionaire. He doesn't... I wish Sorry, there... your chance to win a Super Bowl is gone for for the foreseeable future. With this core. With yes. this core, you're 78 or 79 years old. You know, it's, it's, it's not a scenario that he's just going to be able to pull a rabbit out of his ass at 79 and be able to get a Super Bowl at this point. It is done and over, and it's very sad. But, but he deserves all the blame right now because he is letting this wound continue to fester as opposed to lopping off the limb and cauterizing the wound. So here's the good thing about being owned by a corporation versus a single billionaire. Corporation, there's someone else above Arthur Blank that could be like, Arthur, clearly you're not seeing things right, straight. Right, things are fucked, man. We're going to go over your head and fire your ridiculous NFL yeah, coach. Yeah, there's like a board or something. But if you've got a billionaire owner who's just full of shit, that's a problem. Well, that's the thing, right? We always say Point one why, for Liberty Media. Right. We, we always say, why can't we get an owner for the Braves like Arthur Blank? The but problem the is, sucks. If, yeah, if you get a bad individual owner, then you're, like think about the Cowboys. Since uh, since they went on the Super Bowl run, have been so they're they're the epitome of blue balls, like because of Jerry Jones. He's he's made a lot of bad decisions with coaching and personnel. Granted, he did also build an incredibly great offensive line over the last few years, but now that's dissipated. But I'm not going to get into a whole Cowboys discussion. Anyway, it's it, it wouldn't be much of a discussion because I wouldn't discussion. have much to add. Right? Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying it's just, it's like, or you know, uh, you could get a it's 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 weird. You can get a guy like Bob Kraft. You know, that's that's an individual owner who's had amazing success with the Patriots. Say what you will about his private life and going to visit brothels in Florida, or whatever it was. Red in there. Yeah. Or you can get a guy like uh, Al Davis with the Raiders who stayed way past his prime and just ran that franchise on the ground. Dan Snyder with the Redskins. Dan There's a lot Snyder, of shitty owners out there. Dan Snyder is I'm worried the we're starting to get into that area. Yeah, I think we are getting that area with Arthur, and it was even more disturbing, Adam, this week when D. D Orlando Ledbetter, the Atlanta AJC Falcons beat reporter, said he spoke to a person who's involved with making decisions with the Falcons, and they said they had not discussed Dan Quinn's job at all. It was not a point of discussion at all at this point. And that... Even if he's just saying that to be nice to Dan, just having that story out there is gut-wrenching to me. When literally the entire country has talked, since the onside kick debacle, has talked about how shitty Dan Quinn is and how much he needs to go, and yet our organization's not, at least publicly saying, they're talking about trying to move on from him. It is ridiculous. What else is there left to see that would give you an inkling of hope that we could actually turn it around. Here's where I'm at. So this Panthers game tomorrow. Dan Quinn kills the Panthers. I'll say that. He owns the Panthers. So it's legitimately the first game that we should win. Like, 
coming into it. I understand they're two and two, but we should win this game against the Panthers. So if, if if we beat if we get if we lose to the Panthers and are zero and five, and there's still no discussion of Dan Quinn's job, then it's, we got a serious situation. It's, it, but it's already serious, Adam. It's way past the point of being serious. It is catastrophic and shambolic. It is every fucking descriptor adjective you want to say. Shambolic. Shambolic. Is that a word? It's like being in shambles. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a word. You can you can. You've been, reading the, you've been reading the dictionary recently? I don't know. I read shit. Well, la dee da. La dee da. Um, Mr. Sabermetrics over here. Yeah, sabermetrics and definitions to, <laughs> to English words. But it's like, it is, it is an unmitigated disaster with this franchise. And it's just so frustrating to read a story like that. I mean, hats off to d for getting the story. It's not any insult to him. It's an insult to the people that are running this franchise into the fucking ground and just seem to be waltzing around like a bunch of dinguses. And Dan Quinn was wearing a Falcons hat in his presser the other day, which is making a lot of people think that he's going to give the Braves bad juju. Did I say Falcons? You said Falcons. Sorry. Dan, like, that seems pretty standard. My bad. Dan Quinn was wearing a Braves hat in his presser yesterday, which was making everybody freak out and thinking that Dan Quinn's going to give the Braves some bad juju. But I, I like that. I mean, I remember... Supporting your... Yeah. Right. Matt Ryan did that when the Braves were in the playoffs, and I think... I think Freddie wore a Falcons hat at one point during spring training when the, the, the Falcons were going to the Super Bowl. Or, like, he was working out on a Falcons. There's some bullshit. I don't know. I have no issue with team, players from other – or coaches from other teams supporting teams in the city. I think that's great. It doesn't matter. It doesn't put any bad juju on anybody. Like, fuck off with that stuff. This is interesting. I'm glad you brought that up, Graham. I was listening to Alex Anthopoulos uh, getting interviewed on 680 The Fan the other day. And I think they might have asked him about Dan Quinn wearing a Braves hat or something like that. And Anthopoulos was just talking about how he's such a big Atlanta sports fan, like supporting the Hawks mm-hmm. and the Falcons. He apparently showed his kid the Super Bowl game, the Patriots Falcons Super Bowl, uh-huh. just to show him the pain that you must experience as wow. an Atlanta sports fan. Wow. So he's really. And Thop AA is in here for the long haul. But call, my here's friend. what's interesting. He said. He just very casually said, obviously, I can't be a fan of the Braves since I work for them. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like it's it's also, it's also just like low-key exactly what you want to hear. Totally. Because a fan of the team, a la Arthur Blank, can't make the tough decisions that you have to make. That is a great point. So it was just like something he just glossed over in the interview and, like, you would kind of just think anyone that works for the Braves would be a fan of the Braves. But he just said, I can't be a fan of them. Right. Which because, I think is really cool. Well, yeah, no, I think that's that's a, a salient point because, like, if fans ran franchises, like you and me, if we decided, not decided because we can't decide that shit, but if we lucked into the lottery and we won a billion dollars or something and we were able to invest that money and make a shit ton more money and then buy the Braves – in 2047. We'd probably make the worst decisions ever. Here's the deal. I disagree. You think so? Because my first move would be that I'm never going to meet any of the players. That's my the first thing I do. Okay. So you and I, we'll run the organization, but mm-hmm. from your backyard under this oak tree here. I like it. So <laughs> my same house. Everything we <laughs> even though we have billions of dollars. No, yeah. I mean, we might put like a glass dome over it okay. and like a putting green in yeah. and maybe an indoor pool. 
maybe yeah we'll, we'll buy a couple of these houses around here put right. in a few disc golf holes i like that but no, nothing no big changes yeah. but i'm not going to meet any of these players and get personal and involved in them because exactly, then then you can't be cutthroat that's exactly what arthur blank has done throughout his career remember the special treatment he gave michael vick after mike tore his acl pushing him around in the wheelchair when mike was unable to play not only is that getting too close to your personnel that's also sending a message to other players who are injured. I don't care as much about you as much as I care about my golden goose. We're going to be the owners that players hate. Sure. Because we literally sit in our glass dome and never come down to the field or yeah. the locker room. But I, I, I think that's important. It's not something where it's like it, – it, it's one thing to say, as uh, I think as an owner, to say – that's a good point you're making. I just think when I was saying the thing about fans owning teams, it's just like a general fan who doesn't who's not thinking like you who were to own a team would make so many bad knee-jerk reactions to things. That's fair. They would completely ruin a friendship. But what you're saying is smart, and I agree with you. But I think, you know, if we own the Braves hypothetically, or Falcons or whatever, it'd have to be a thing where it's like you don't get close. You do not become friends. Maybe you have dinner every once in a while. You know, maybe you check in. You know, but the thing Arthur Blank has always done that's bothered me has been too close to star players, said too many things to the media like we're going to make Julio a Falcon for a while, et cetera. And then also, because he's so close to Thomas and to, to, to Dan and their buddies, it becomes very hard to fire your friends. It's gut-wrenching. I can't imagine what that's like. I never had to fire anyone in my life. I, I mean, that, you know, but I've seen that at, at work, you know, a friend of mine's had to fire people who we've considered friends, and it's it's absolutely devastating. It's it's brutal as fuck. And so, like, especially when you're dealing with, with the most one of the most competitive things in the world, multi-billion dollar franchises and shit like that, that's a lot of pressure, and, that, and, that, and that's really tough to do if you're a buddy-buddy with somebody. It's absolutely brutal. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I've had to fire people that were blatantly caught stealing that I didn't particularly like, and it's still difficult because it's like, well, this, this is your livelihood. Right. At least you were, you know, yeah, 100%, even if you were justified in, in firing that, that person. But it, it sucks to say you're gone, you're done. Like that, you, you can't do that lightly. But if you can't handle that pressure as an NFL owner, you shouldn't be owning an NFL team. This is the biggest sport in the world, I would argue. I know everybody thinks soccer is a world sport, but in terms of bringing in money and revenue, the NFL is the biggest sport in the world. If you cannot make decisions to better your football team because you are friends with somebody, you are lost. And that is what Arthur Blank is right now. He is 100%, 150% lost in the woods like a little bitch. And you know what scares me? Hmm. I don't think I've put this on the podcast yet. Last weekend, out here in your backyard, you know, where we do a lot of business back here. Sure. And we were watching the Clemson game, just watching Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah, I wasn't even here. Yeah, uh, you, don't, you don't need to be here. Right. No. <laughs> and uh, Adam just calls my fiance. He's like, I'm coming to watch the damn Clemson game, bro. Shut up the TV. <laughs> and uh, Trevor Lawrence is just unbelievably good, clearly once-in-a-lifetime prospect. And I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I could see us. I don't think we're going to go 0-16. I think we're clearly better than, like, the Giants or the Jets or some of these trash teams out there. 
But were we to go 0-16 and get a look at the number one overall pick, and Dan Quinn's still around, and Arthur Blank's still around. What about TD? And TD's still around. They are not going to take the obvious number one overall pick because they believe in Matt Ryan. And I believe in Matt Ryan, but you don't pass up on a talent like that, especially when you go 0-16. Yeah, even I, who am am the biggest Matt Ryan fan I know, I think, would say you would be an idiot not to draft Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Matt has looked lost these last couple of games. Like you've he's looked se- lost so bad. Like I think the hits, ever since the Cleo Mack hit, he has looked like a different player. Like he's fucked up right now. Something, like, something's really wrong with him. Like there's just a lot different in the juice behind a Trevor Lawrence throw and a Matt Ryan throw. Yeah, I mean Matt's arm strength is starting to decline a little bit, and I think even though he still throws a good ball, and I think he's still a great quarterback. I still think he could win a Super Bowl. I still think he can win a Super Bowl, too, 100%. But if we're but just a dumpster fire. It's time to sell Matt. It's time to sell Julio. It's time to sell almost anyone of value, that, especially if they are older. You've got to rebuild. This team cannot win. And one thing I've been meaning to talk about that I haven't. So TD decides to bring in Todd Gurley on a one-year deal. What, $5, 6000000 million? Not really that expensive of a contract, right? Gurley's been okay. I still think Brian Hell could have comp- comparable numbers, and you could have used that money to go get a cornerback, another cornerback. Because our secondary, once again, is fucked. Not just from a performance standpoint, but from an injury standpoint. It's, yeah, it's been a little unfair with the injuries and Terrell being out for two games with COVID. He's that supposed really to hurt. be back. Sheffield looked pretty we, we, we finally have our top two corners out there. Yeah, Sheffield and That's Terrell. why I think we'll probably beat Carolina. That's nice, but wouldn't it be great to have spent that on another corner when I've been saying – Ever since last year, every time you get Brian Hill a ball, he's like shot out of a cannon. I agree, Graham. It's just so frustrating, man. It does seem like him and Ito would be fine. Yeah. And then you could get Quadri Allison. Or I haven't even seen Allison this year. Allison hasn't. I don't know if he's been active the Cause, whole Because that's Gurley's role, the goal line guy. But, right. I mean, Gurley's been fine. Like, there's definitely been. Gurley's been okay. Yeah, like, there's been a lot of plays where, like, Gurley goes it inside and then jumps it back outside. Yeah, he's made a lot of touchdowns. So he's, he's made, a he's lot made of, some good plays. Yeah, he's made a lot of plays happen, particularly in the Packers game. He made a lot of plays happen. Like, on he's not Steven Jackson no, when he's, we had him. No, and he's much better than Devontae was last year, 100%. But I'm just saying, you could get comparable production from a guy you're not paying nearly as much and use that money in the secondary, which is clearly the weakest link on the team right now. Or, hell, even linebacking. Just someone on defense, man. Gun, gun to your head, Graham. Yeah. Tomorrow, you're sitting here watching the game. I love gun to my head scenarios. Do you want them to win? I feel like if we win, Dan Quinn gets like an eight-year extension, which would But be while you're insane. watching the game, you want? do you want them to yes, win? Yes, while I'm watching the game, yes. I don't want to watch the Falcons lose. I mean, it's just it's depressing. And it's see fun. the Bucks lose the other night. That's hilarious. Tom Brady forgot what down it was right. in the game-winning drive. Yeah, maybe he's starting to develop Alzheimer's in his old age. This is why 43-year-olds don't usually play quarterback in the NFL. Even an 0-4, it's like, okay, the thing, this maybe this NFC South sucks. Well, the I don't thing know. that's so frustrating is if you had beaten Dallas and you had beaten Chicago, you'd be 2-2 two and two right now and be in the driver's seat in the sense that you could have a successful season. And it's so goddamn frustrating that we weren't able to do that. You asked me, am I cheering for the Falcons when they play? I did. I said I would in terms of I want them to win. Do you want them to win? 100%, yes. Yes. I'm always pulling for him. Yeah, I think, like even in that Packers game, like I was like, you know what, we got a chance here. Like they're hanging in; they're within two scores. It's a big fourth down stop uh, in the first quarter. We could, yeah. 
the thing that was so frustrating is we went on that 12 minute drive and didn't score. I mean, we scored, but it was a field that was, goal. Yeah, that was brutal. It was like the, you, be, the you best drive we've there, seen all year. Yeah, if you score a touchdown that 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 series, the game might have changed a little bit. But instead, you get a field goal, and it's just more of the same. It's just blue balls, blue balls, blue balls. Yeah, I mean that that's what they had to do is like keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field. Thank God we have no more Monday night games. That's I don't think working. we have any more primetime games this one. One o'clock Sundays, baby. It's, it's fine. That's yeah. That's that's not even worthy of this team. Like, they might as well play at, like, 6 a.m. on a Sunday at this point. <laughs> Just so by the time we wake up. Might as well like, put all the rest of the games in London. Yeah. So we you can watch it. That would have been a smart thing for the NFL to do. Like, for cities that aren't going to have fans the entire year, send them to a country that COVID is, has not affected that much. Like, New Zealand has, like, their full crowds for their rugby matches. Imagine if the NFL put a team, like, games in New Zealand in front of full fans. I think that's a phenomenal idea, personally. Could do that. Like, I think, I think you know, it would be interesting if they did that. I'm sure there's a number of pitches in New Zealand. You could just send all the teams there. Just had the whole season in New Zealand. Yeah, North Island, North Island South Island, there's, there's plenty of places for them to play. Yeah. Like, that would have been unbelievable. Sure. It's not really related to this shitty Falcons team, but, it, you know, it would be something cool be to watch. Fun idea. At least you'd have – like, there will be a – quote-unquote crowd at the game on against the Panthers. Or I guess there has been a crowd. Yeah, I haven't heard. People hear this, but. I actually looked at, I mean, I looked at tickets earlier in the week, and they were like standard prices, like 60 bucks. So I'm guessing that means no one wants to go. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, I'm not going to risk COVID shit to watch the Falcons. If it was the Braves and they were, you know, if the NLCS was here, I would give that great consideration to go to an NLCS game. But the Falcons? No fucking way, man. You are you are not you're hardly worth my time to watch on Sunday, let alone go in person around a bunch of people to watch a game. Do you risk going to watch one of these NLCS games in Truist Park around other Braves fans just to get a little bit of that energy? Where it seems like they did a good job with it from the social media pictures we've seen. Yeah, as long as... You know, d- d- would you consider doing that? Yeah, if the proper protocols were in, were in place, I, I think I would do that. Like, everybody was masked up when like you're in the thir- concourse. Thursday night, game four. Yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're masked up and then, you know, you have enough room to space out and then, you know... I, I don't know how many people they're letting okay in, but it. they're not going to let in 50,000 people, you know? I'm guessing ten grand maybe they would let in. Yeah, if it was like the game was actually happening, yeah, I would I would consider that. But I'm that's not gonna, gonna go to a watch party or anything. I'm not doing that shit. Well, that's what I that's what I was just asking you. Oh no, fuck that. Oh. There's no reason. You feel the energy of other fans. Yeah, there won't be. That I many. feel like that's what's missing a little bit. It's it like is, feeling it, other people. It is missing, which sucks. But it's like you're still wa- like you're literally paying to watch a game on screen. Right. That's which fine. I can do at home. Yeah. On but, my YouTube TV, I already pay for it. But no thanks. But you're missing the environment, the energy. But it's not going to be the same as 40,000 people versus 5 or 10 or whatever it is. There's going to be multiple tomahawk chops. That's fine. I, you know, I've experienced that my whole life, big tomahawk chops in playoff games. When's the last time you experienced that one in the NLCS? No one. I think it's the Diamondbacks. I was there. I remember. That's a long time ago. Fucking Luis Gonzalez hit that home run. It's 2020 now, Graham. I know. But the game isn't – the game has happened on the field – Yes, but it's not. Okay. So it just it just doesn't seem worth it to me. Unnecessary risk, you're saying. I feel for me, but if someone wants to go do that, 
I think it would be fine to do, but I just also just think it's not even just COVID. It's just going to Truist to watch the game on a screen. Just, I mean, yeah. Like I saw like people watching the Reds and the Marlins, and it was like it was okay. Like I don't think I would get like that jacked up being around all these I re- people. You can't high five a stranger. You can't hug a stranger. I like, know that sucks. COVID being around is an issue. Yeah, I, I would very much love to go watch a lot of these games at a bar. Oh God, yeah. Are you kidding? Like any great. bar, any bar around here. Any bar, EAV. Yeah, Corner Tavern. Forever. Even though Corner Tavern doesn't even have a great sports setup, I like that bar. I like that black and chicken sandwich. I want my black and chicken sandwich. I want my fries. I want my drink. I want to have four drinks during the game and just like just be locked in, man. I was I was loving last year the Glenwood in EAV for Braves games. It's a great scene where big round wraparound bar where yeah, all the games are on. Fit a ton of people at that. Everyone's bar. watching it. Like, it's a good spot. Oh, yeah. Bartenders are on top of it. Sure. It's a different world now, Graham. It's very unfair. That's why we need to build this dome around your house. Yep. 100%. Well, Adam, I think that wraps up this elongated episode of Atlanta Zone. And we send our best wishes to the Atlanta Braves. We are pulling for you to bring us our first National League Championship since 1999. Thank you for all you've done for the fan base in terms of just giving us something to enjoy, man. I think that's just a big thing. Like, I, I remember watching Freddie Freeman being interviewed after the game, third game was ever. I choked up a little bit because I was thinking about all the shit he's been through and just how much that meant to me to see him get his moment to, to play for a World, play for the ability, you know, for a World Series berth. I think that's huge. I mean, this guy has, deserves it. He's been a Brave since 2010. He's suffered endlessly and performed at a very high level he's one of the best players in baseball and i'm so happy for him i similarly got choked up a little bit hearing like after we won the series i went for a run in a park near me and was just i tapped that app 680 the fan sure thank you 680 the fan for letting us tap that app this year you should continue to let us to do that for all braves games in the future yeah i think people from the east coast to the west coast i know people on the west coast that have loved that but uh, just hearing Snit talk, I mean, Snit's a guy, he's been in the organization for 46 years. You know, he got demoted from third base coach minor to A manager yeah. and then just called up on a whim once Freddie Gonzalez was canceled. No one expected him to be around here. and Interim manager, Brian Snit. Interim manager, in still here leading us to NLCS. It's an unbelievable story. And, you know, Freddie has said it, like, he is just a great man, and he deserves all of this. Yeah. And I hope so much for Snit that he can lead us all the way. Yeah. And go down in like, – he would go down in history as the second greatest Braves manager of all time. If he won a sec- – if he wins a World Series this year, he wins another one, he's the greatest. The greatest, yeah. He Which, would be if he won two World Series. Think about that. 100%. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. So, let's get it. I want to be back here – it wouldn't be next Saturday. Well, it could be next Saturday. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll I probably want to be back here with another happy show, Graham. Yes, we'll probably. I think we'll at least do one show after the. Uh, man, I'm just really pumped up over here. He's throwing acorns or something across the. Come on! Uh, across the the, the the backyard. I think we'll we'll definitely do a show after one of these games. We'll probably watch one of these games together, like we did, and do a little show. But it's yeah, it's, we're pumped. Let's go. No more talking, no more bullshit. Let's get it done. Go Braves. Until next time, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer. Remain true to Atlanta. Mix it up. Believe in blue land. Rise up if you must. God willing, Godspeed. 
and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitometer sip. Go Braves. Hospitometer sip.